Good evening, everyone. If we haven't met already, my name is Samuel and I'm one of the ministry trainees here at St. Andrew's Free Church. Tonight, as Paul said, we're continuing our evening series in the Ten Commandments and we'll be looking at the Ninth Commandment this evening. Before I begin, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the gift of your word. Please use your word this evening to help us to see our errors and our hidden faults. Please use your word to help us rejoice in you more, our majestic God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 20 on page 61 in the Black Church Bibles? That's page 61 in the Black Church Bibles. I'll read the first two verses of chapter 20 before going to our verse this evening, verse 16. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I've been reading a case recently in the news about a man from Barrow, Barrow being a town in Cumbria, the county I grew up in. This man was one of three men falsely accused of a crime by the same person. This person who made the accusations has now been sentenced to eight and a half years in prison for perverting the course of justice. This man from Barrow, however, as many are in our country, was not presumed innocent until proven guilty after these accusations were made. One day after falsely being accused of the crime, he had his accusations graffitied on his house. His windows were smashed. Even after being found innocent, he was forced to leave Barrow as people still accused him of the crime. He now, three years on after the accusation, has complex PTSD and has struggled to bond with his newborn son after three years of what he describes as hell. We're taught when we're children, the rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We see time and time again in our legal system, and that case is just one example, that that rhyme is wrong, and that false witness often irreversibly damages physical health, mental health, job security, marriages, family. However, the damage of false witness isn't just in extreme courses out there like that one. We see throughout all our lives how accusations and false names stick to people for years and years. Children are bullied in the playground throughout school. Neighbors are excluded from friendship amongst neighbors for decades. Tonight, it is a real comfort in a world where lies are listened to and the truth ignored 
where false names stick and cries of innocence are ignored, that our God is not like man. That brings me to my first point this evening, that our God is a God of truth. Our God and truth go hand in hand in scripture. Isaiah calls him the God of truth, saying that he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth. Lies and falsehood are not in our God's nature at all. Scripture says that God is not man, that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Having the God of truth for our God means we can take everything he says at face value. With so many people we meet, we can't take every story they tell at face value. We often realize that sometimes there is another story, another take on the tale that they are telling us. In contrast, our God has never lied, has never given us a half-truth. This book that we preach from as a church family that you have in your hands, God's Word, the Bible, isn't just a book from 2,000 years ago with bits we can pluck out as true and other bits we can pluck out as uh, outdated, as showing a primitive understanding. It isn't one biased human interpretation of the world or of God. These are the words of our creator, the one who sustains us and the one who knows everything that will happen. His word isn't only a collection of true facts, but truth that we can follow and live by. The psalmist describes the law of the Lord as perfect, reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord as sure, making wise the simple. For Christians who are here tonight, walking by faith and not by sight, trusting in God's word in a world that calls it lies, we can take comfort that our God would not lie to us and we can confidently live lives following the God of truth's word. In comparison to the God of truth's word, our world is full of lies. If our God is truth, then lies can't come from him and must originate somewhere else. These lies have their origin ultimately in Satan himself. Jesus himself calls Satan the father of lies and said that he's been lying ever since the beginning of humanity. And it's what the devil loves to do, to fill our heads with lies about God, about Jesus, about life, and to make us believe them and live on them. The lies of Satan begin in the Garden of Eden. Satan asks Eve, did God actually say You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. After casting doubt on what God's word clearly says, Satan then lies about the goodness of God's word, saying that through disobeying God's word, humanity's eyes will be opened and Eve will be like God, knowing good and evil. Since the fall, humanity still by nature believes the devil's lies about God. We believe the lies of the devil naturally, that God doesn't care about you, that God is not good, that God doesn't see what we do and isn't our judge. We are by nature imprisoned in the lies of Satan and mimic Satan 
by lying. Now, our commandment this evening comes in because lies create a problem for justice. If humanity is in nature by lies, how can justice be served? How can the innocent be protected? How can the guilty be punished if lies abound? Our commandment today, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, protects justice. Now, you may be thinking, what does this commandment even mean in basic English? In its basic form, this commandment forbids Israel from when in court, lying about what their neighbor has or hasn't done. If I am an Israelite and I am in court, I'm not to say that the man down the road stole a loaf of bread if he hasn't. I'm not to lie to cover for a friend or to lie because the man accused is someone I don't like or to lie because in my head, I think he really did do it. Being truthful in court was especially important in Israel. Israel had no lawyers. The judge's verdict was based on the testimony of witnesses. If witnesses can't be trusted, then Israel's justice system falls apart. Now, we are obviously not in Israel today or in the same legal system, but this verse still has a straightforward application for God's people in court. The Westminster Larger Catechism describes how this commandment forbids false evidence, forgery, and concealing the truth in court, as well as forbidding undue silence in a just cause. However, as we've seen over the past few weeks with the commandments to not commit adultery and to not steal, the applications for this verse are wider than the initial command. This command isn't just for people out there, those in ancient Israel, or those in the courtroom today. The commandment comes to be understood as prohibiting lying. Hosea chapter 4 verse 2, in describing Israel's breaking of the Ten Commandments, says that there is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. Our God, who is truth and never lies, hates lies. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, described lying lips as an abomination to the Lord. I wonder whether we think this way, as the Bible teaches. Do we see lying lips as an abomination to the Lord? I wonder if sometimes we have a fairly casual attitude to the sin of bearing false witness in contrast to some of the other commandments we have in the Ten Commandments. We might think, surely everyone lies in our world, it's excusable. But if God is a God of truth and doesn't lie, and lying is an abomination to him, what is happening when we lie? Well, when we lie, we are being defiled with lying by the father of lies. We allow Satan rather than the God of truth to have his way in this world. Now, you may be thinking, hold on, there are tricky situations in life where it might be right to break this commandment. We see throughout scripture many of God's people deceiving others and praised for their faith. 
whether the Hebrew midwives' deception about killing Israelite males, or Rahab's deceptive response to protect the Israelite spies, or the Lord himself recommending deception tactics for God's people in battle. In all these specific situations, however, for Israel, this is not breaking the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In these situations, God's people are deceiving God's enemies to protect life against those who seek to destroy God's people. It would be completely inexcusable to take these rare situations that occasionally occur in scripture and use them to justify the lies we make of, I didn't see that message, I'm busy that day, I'm over 18, I did nothing wrong. Still today, there are tricky situations in our world to follow this commandment and us to think about it. What about, for example, the missionary who smuggles Bibles disguised as other books into countries where the Bible is illegal? These are really hard situations that require lots of careful thoughts with God's word and prayer. They're decisions that are best taken in consultation with wiser and more experienced believers. However, the difficult situations don't change the basic commandment. There is no free reign in scripture to tell a lie only because it's more convenient for us to do so. Now, the difficulty of following this commandment isn't just for the missionary in dangerous countries. How often have we here in St. Andrews seen in others, or maybe even in our own actions, reputation destruction? One may say true things about another person, but bear false witness by removing the context in which those words were said, and thereby twisting the words of another. Often those slandering the names of others begin gossip with other names. They say, I'm telling you this in confidence, or I've known this for a long time and I'm only saying this to you now. In reputation destruction, when we bear false witness about other people, the person accused is often never told about what they've done or said, and instead half-truths about them circulate amongst other people. Jesus teaches, on the day of judgment, people will give accounts for every careless word they speak. Maybe you're here tonight and haven't slandered the name of another person, and you're thinking about someone else in your mind. It's my friend, my colleague, my family member. It's them who slanders other people's names. The Westminster Larger Catechism says we're guilty of breaking this commandment even if we receive and tolerate evil reports and stop our ears against a person's just defense. I wonder if we here have ever stayed to listen to gossip when we should have left, whether we've judged rashly from what other people have said. I know, sadly, that I have. It's uncomfortable to admit this, but when we compare the God of truth's attitude to truth and our own attitude to truth, we are all liars, whether in our mouths or in our hearts. And liars shall not inherit the kingdom of the God of truth. 
but we will be held accountable for all the callous words we've spoken, for all the lies of our mouths and our hearts. The God of truth who hates false witnesses will give liars their portion in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. The heavy words, the problem runs deep. Our lying tongues come from our hearts, our hearts that are naturally full of envy and hatred. No cure exists other than radical conversion, a heart change. That brings me to my second point this evening, the people of truth. Lies live deeply in fallen man. And yet we read in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9 of a man called Jesus. This man, God the Father, says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Who is this one in a world of liars that we are called to listen to? We learn that he has come into the world to bear witness to the truth and was sent to the world by the God of truth. This man, Jesus, claims to be more than a prophet. Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. What a claim. Not only does Jesus say if we come to him, we come to the God of truth. He also says that it is only through him that we come to right relationship with the God of truth. Liars can come to right relationship with God through Jesus Christ alone. For those who come to accept Jesus as the way and the truth and the life, we are promised forgiveness for all the lies we have told or embraced. I wonder if I could ask you all to turn to page 984 in the Black Church Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. So Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, read, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The God of truth says that the record of our debt, of our lives, has been cancelled completely. For those who would come to follow Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. The God of truth knows all the facts. God is not in the dark about our nature. He knows all our sins, no matter how secret, all the lies we have told or embraced in our hearts and mouths, all the lies we will go on sadly to tell. And yet, as we read here, the God of truth promises that Jesus on the cross took the full punishment that our sins deserve. We are not being lied to by Jesus. He promises liars who would repent and follow him that our lies 
past, present and future are forgiven. Otherwise, he would have not have told us so. And Jesus offers transformation for liars who would come to him. The old self that felt it needed to lie to save its face, to save its reputation, to be loved, is put off. The new self is sanctified in the truth. God's word transforms our actions and our thoughts, making us more conformed to Christ, the one who never had deceit leave his lips. We learn more about the God of truth in God's word, loving him more and rejecting the lies of Satan about God. The Holy Spirit enables us to battle the sin of lying and we speak the truth in love. If this is what God is doing in his people, the church must be different from the world that it is surrounded by. Many people in our world think of church as just another social club, where some people like playing in a band, some people do BMX, other people are religious. I'm sure that you have seen in many of the clubs in our world that they can be full of members who dislike each other and talk behind each other's backs. I, as a teenager, used to be involved in acting, in amateur dramatics. It is quite shocking for me to look back and see how much pleasure I and the rest of us took in talking about each other. I loved talking about who didn't deserve which part, who I didn't like, who was going out with who, Unsurprisingly, the God of truth does not want his church to be another place of slander and gossip as we see in the world. God has made his church to be more than a social club. The church is described in scripture as a body. We are as deeply connected with one another as the eye is with the hand. To see one another as belonging to the same body should prevent us from bearing false witness. How will the body grow and flourish if the hand is set against the wrist or the knee against the hip? I think it would be great for us to think through what does it look like for me to not bear false witness against fellow believers? For the children with us, maybe it means owning up to mum and dad if we've done something wrong and not blaming our brother or sister, no matter how hard the consequences may seem. For the students here, maybe it means not participating in the rumor mill of the University of St. Andrews. Maybe it means not twisting the words or actions of someone in the CU for a good gossip with a friend. For all of us here, it is worth reflecting, asking the question, have I ever believed a bad report I heard about someone else without waiting to hear their side of the story? Have I ever said things behind people's backs, maybe even here in church, that I would never say to their face? They're searching questions, and I know in response to them that I need to grow a lot. I need to pray as the psalmist prayed for a guard over my mouth. But although we do struggle with lies, wouldn't it be wonderful if we, 
St. Andrew's Free Church, our church body, were so truthful and opposed to gossip and slander in false witness that we could be a shining light in a world of gossip and lies. Now, this commandment doesn't mean sweeping anything wrong in the church under the carpet. We know how awful it is when false witness is given to cover up the abuses of those in church authority. The New Testament gives clear procedures for how to bear truthful witness against those who would abuse church authority. For example, with elders, charges are not to be admitted against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. It is important to understand that the Bible does not interpret the ninth commandment as a culture of silence and letting church leaders abuse their authority. God wants the church to flourish through his people speaking the truth. Speaking the truth about God in love to each other, we are to grow up every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Our basis for loving one another is not that we are all deep down lovely people. We're not. Our basis for love is Jesus in the church, the one who loves and is sanctifying us and our brothers and sisters in the church. I'm encouraged by how much I see in our own church family of us speaking the truth in love to each other, whether in coffees in town or in meals after church or in our life groups. I'm encouraged when I see our church family willing to speak the hope we have in Jesus, even in the dark, tough times. I'm encouraged when I see each other holding each other accountable in a warm and loving manner, holding each other to the truths and goodness of scripture. In a world that lies about God and his goodness, it is wonderful for our church family to be light in darkness and speak the truth in love to one another. I pray we continue to do this as a church family. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are forgiven completely through the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you that you have not lied to us. If we accept Jesus as the way and the truth and the life, our sins are nailed to the cross. We pray that as a church family that we would rejoice in these truths. We pray as a church family that you will strengthen us to not bear false witness. May we be a church family that speaks the truth in love to each other. Please sustain us as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen. We're now going to finish with our final hymn.